Welcome to another edition of Mass Mats and Ma'am. I'm your host, Justin Harvey. You can find me. I give up already. I quit. I even got my my name wrong. I'm the Outlaw LA Red at Justin Harvey75. Find him on Venmo. MMM Show 75. Dude, we take one, money. We take a week off and it all goes to shit. This is this is how hey, it starts. You know what? Uh, I would never use an assumed name. Professor Casey does not do such things. So I I don't know who the outlaw LA Red is. Now is uh, this an homage to Mike Tanay? Yes. Fucking. I don't it's know, dude. You're the one. Mike Tanay. We wanted Mike Tanay on a podcast. We couldn't afford him, so we got the next best thing: the professor, Casey Nelson. I have dramatic lighting today because I'm in uh, my cousin's basement in Chicago right now. I am hopping all over the country. You may have uh, seen me pop in on uh, Way Too Real last week from Kansas City from from there. No, but, uh, I didn't. I didn't. I don't watch that show. You I don't didn't. watch that show? You don't watch no. anybody's shows. You know what? I didn't watch, watch our show. <laughs> but, no, I don't. And I also didn't watch Lucha Underground or Face Off this week. So it's going to be a really fucking short show. But I do have a wrestling match that I want the whole audience and you guys to check out at your leisure. It's pinned to my Twitter profile, which is at Lucha Gringo, except no imitations. And uh, it Justin. is Justin. Justin, I want to hear about this. I want to interrupt him. Can I, I want to interrupt Casey. Well, I know, but you have to PayPal me the money before you interrupt him. It's, it's all it's all good. Uh, there is a Justin. match up. Justin. Yeah, why yeah. do they call it Swedish fish? And why do people like them so much? Not even sour. Well, I think because Finnish fish was too hard to say. Oh, I almost permanently blocked Byron from our podcast. That would have been amazing. Um, so anyway, Survival Tobita, great Japanese wrestling star, is wrestling against Primal Ape Vergon. That's right. It is a man wrestling an actual gorilla in the ring. And What? Yeah, and shit goes down, man. It's an actual fucking gorilla. Click on my Twitter profile. Check it out. It's pinned to the top. Well, does and, the gorilla sell for him? Oh, dude, it gets a, you know, you know how like you watch a wrestling match and it gets a little too real and you get kind of freaked out over what you're watching, but you can't stop. That's kind of what happens there. You know, it's, I would imagine so with a gorilla involved. Actual gorilla, not not none of that fucking gorilla monsoon bullshit where he's just some fat Italian guy. No. No, <laughs> real gorilla in a potato sack. All right, okay, you've gotten my interest. I will follow the. You said it's on your Twitter, which is what at Lucha Gringo. At Lucha Gringo, except no imitations, and it is pinned to the top. Instead of the picture of me with Pentagon, it's that now. Now, see, Byron, you see how I did that? Even though I actually knew his Twitter handle, I said at Lucha Gringo again, so that like people listening could could follow it. You see how I gave him the rub? This is very, very, yeah, very convincing. I. I I w it was very believable that you wouldn't know a close friend of yours Twitter handle. Something as basic as that I found very convincing. Well, I mean, but sometimes yeah. these are just conventions of, of the show. Like sometimes like if you have to go to a drop, you started off kind of naturally, but then everybody knows you're reading copy. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, but it made sense that you wouldn't know something so simple to know. Right. Like it's going to sound really natural when we go and tell everyone that today's MMM show is brought to you by Lucha Loco Boner Pills. Find them on Amazon.com. Tell what? them Dr. Wagner sent you. BN, BN, BN. They're brought to you by Sweetest Fish. Use the code MMM show to get 10% off upon checkout. Hey, I got to say that, um, Casey, you're sounding. 
you're sounding different today, like more manly or something. Did you did you take some of those pills before the show? Fuck yeah, dude! Like a whole case. We're I don't know if that's to... what it is though. Why do you sound more manly today? It's been about six hours. I think I need to consult a physician. But um, oh, I got a I got a nice I got a yeti. I got the yeti. Oh, we're getting all kind of professional around here. Well, happy Fuck yeah, dude. I. Yeah, happy, happy Yeti and happy birthday to uh, the Lucha Gringo. Don't don't hit him on Twitter now. It's too late. If you missed your opportunity to completely annoy Casey on his birthday, that's just your tough luck. You'll have to wait until July of next year to do it again. Oh, it's it's the 29th. They can know. And also, I had a great fucking time on my birthday, man. That's disappointing. Like, I went to Vegas. I got to see Marvel Universe Live, which is like a fucking arena show with the Hulk fighting like Loki and shit. It's pretty dope. Then uh, the next day, I went to a show called Divas Live, and it had nothing to do with the WWE Divas, but a couple of them really did look like Charlotte. And uh, it's a drag queen show for you guys that didn't get the joke. Uh, I, I talked about Count Chocula to a male Liza imperson, male Liza Minnelli impersonator. That was a good time. And uh, on my birthday, went to Excalibur's Tournament of Kings, which was the shit because we got front row and we got the fucking metal ass evil dragon knight that's like Mordred's boy. And you know how I am at events when I'm cheering for bad guys. I was a little loud, so I got some metal horns back from the night. It's fucking great. Well, see, now that sounds solid. We also have to uh, send out some birthday love to two of my favorite unemployed individuals. Uh, Famous B, happy birthday, B, uh, whose birthday was yesterday, I believe, the 30. Was it yesterday or two days ago? And uh, also EVW, Eric Van Wageningen. How do you Shout say that EVW. Eric Van Wageningen. Dub. Can somebody say that name for me? I have a lot of Eric Van Wagenen. It's Eric. And you Van know that Van Wagnant, Van Wagnant is also the street that when I left Vegas, I filled up my gas on. So there, no Hen cares. Henderson. Much like everything else that you just said, no one cares. Nice Festus hat. Fucking. You guys are so mean to each other. Fucking Terry Gordy's retarded son. What's up? You're jealous. Hey, well, look, speaking, speaking of those two guys, those two unemployed guys that are. Jesse and Festus? Oh, shit. Are they coming back? No, Fucking biscuits and gravy? EVW oh. and Famous B and the and the whole rest of the unemployed Lucha Underground staff right now. What's up with season four? Why am I still waiting for this announcement? Why are we still trying to figure it out? I, I mean, I've I, got it figured out, but I don't I don't understand. Look, at this point, at this point, okay, we're taking this gorilla style. If you want it to come back, and some people don't, some people are just over it at this point. And I'm not gonna even say I blame them. You know, people are just used to their wrestling being a more consistent known factor. And like all this backstage talk that we have is more about way piddly or shit than like whether or not the show's going to exist unless you're talking about TNA. But um, they seem to be on solid on solid feet now. Why can't we get Lucha Underground there? Like, are we going to lose the whole Lucha roster to, to GFW now? Hey, How you is know, GFW so much more stable than a wrestling company run by MGM. Uh, because, um, well, let's just say, is it Jeff? Jarrett? I know, oh, I know who to hold responsible, and I'm gonna fucking call him out right now. Um, El Ray Network, I'm calling you out right now. The network that fucking greenlit such great shows as Cutting Crew. See, look, he took he took his face off 
so that he's not associated with I can't what I'm be held responsible say. for these comments. I'm hiding. Wait, should I do that too? I want to work in this industry again. I don't know, but I'm I'm afraid of what Casey's going to say, but it might be true. So I'm going to let him say it and go. Okay, so the network that greenlit such great shows as Cutting Crew and that fake-ass Josh Gates ripoff show and Man at Arms named after the shittiest He-Man character. I think we can all agree on that. And then that other show about racing where they never even actually race, I don't think. But um, the network that greenlit that will not greenlight season four. And I'm a little mad. I'm a little mad because I don't want them to lose this show but I'm starting to get so angry that I'm like, maybe they deserve it. You know what I mean? Okay, that's my that's my rant. You guys are safe now. Okay, well, and 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 here's the thing, and here's why I appreciate you saying that. Um, as much as we may be friends to the show to a certain extent, there there does need to be a little bit of tough love out there, and it feels like the yeah. tough love needs to be uh, not thrown at, at EBW or MGM or any of their partners that produce the actual show or Bart Burnett or any of that company it doesn't need to be at DJ. Cause it's not a booking thing. This isn't a sexy star wins the belt and then drops it a week later thing. God so, damn it. DJ. This God isn't, damn it. This isn't a Dorian thing. This isn't merch on eBay or the lack thereof or the lack of touring or a talent issue. This has nothing to do with any of the normal culprits that we might throw it at and simply put at the end of the day it comes down to el rey and whoever their partners are which would be you know univision and whoever else is is funneling their money through like from everything i can tell they are hands down the reason why there is not an answer unless unless mgm's holding them for ransom for some uh, astronomical sum of money uh, I don't believe that to be the case. I believe that MGM just wants to go ahead making the show the way they've been making the show and, and is ready to do that at a moment's notice from everything that I've heard and can tell. So, I mean, got to call a spade a spade and follow the money up to where the money is not coming from. Normally, I say follow the money to see where it's going, and then you know the answers to all your, your questions. But this time, if you look at a piece of paper and you start tracking it and you follow the money back to the source of where it's not coming from, I think there's uh, there's only a couple culprits. It's either El Rey or one of their parent companies and or partners or somebody involved with them. Like I don't feel like Skip is the holdup or even Robert at this point, so I don't know. I don't know what the deal could possibly be here, man. Like this is this is uh this is taking too long. Hands I down. feel like yeah. I feel like it's out of the hands of the cool people and in the hands of dipshits that aren't cool people that are fucking it up for everyone else. There, I well, said it. Well, I said a, it. As a fan, it's exhausting because we've reached a point. We just reached that point because we we like to talk about behind the scenes more than we like to talk about what's on camera, and that's part of the appeal to underground where it's a tv show there's a little bit of stuff that we don't know that we get to discuss and argue about but also there's that built-in cool factor of robert rodriguez and the built-in cool factor of it's not like wwe so you could say it's not wwe all the way through and and then also like the hiatus then you know they jumped from two to three real quick and then there's uh i don't know if it's going to get picked up but it probably will and then it gets picked up excitement from one to two like all that <sighs> stuff was kind of cool and then we knew there's we know there's going to be a four as long as it's possible to do a four it's just somewhere it's getting hung up on some stuff that we don't know because we're not in the rooms 
and it's a TV show sort of thing. It's not a wrestling company thing. And it's also a boring TV show thing. So now we've run out of things to talk about. It's just now we're all genuinely waiting. Uh, we're yeah. not even debating contracts or anything like right. that. Is Puma going to come back or not? That's something interesting. A year ago. Yeah. Now we know he's fucking not, you know? Like, we but, know he's not because he's being a little bitch on Twitter every week. Yeah, but you don't know. Maybe when they start up again, maybe circumstances can happen. And I personally feel that the current Lucha Underground product is the best presentation for him. And maybe he'll see offers and that will be where he goes. I don't know. But also, I don't care because I don't see that choice even being, um, you know, on the forefront of anything happening like we're hey, not um, near there so it's just it's just all we have left is to talk about the show that airs on tv and that's not what wrestling fans on the internet like to talk about and it's, like shit, talk it's about, shit we saw a year ago we no, were there over over a year over ago. Ago. yeah but oh. it's like when you watch when we watched justin and i watched smackdown he was live i was on i was on tv and there's that big match uh shinsuke and cena right and it's awesome it's huge and it's like that's the big match when he was coming over to wwe lots to talk about how does it work creatively and what we talk about is the behind the scenes stuff of it we go Oh, this is what happened off camera. Oh, this bump looked like that. I wonder how, you know, what was planned. Like this huge match with the best performers in the world today. And we're still talking about it. Let's not say best. Let's say some of the most popular performers in the world today. Most popular. <laughs> but like overall, overall performers. Because yeah, okay. Oh, and um, not, not like best wrestlers. But and we'll get guys. into some of that stuff too. Because But, but we talked about the behind the scenes aspect of that match when it's has the best of the best presenting the in-ring stuff. We're still paying more attention to behind the scenes and Lucha Underground doesn't have that anymore. And so it lost its internet Twitter traction. Uh, guys, guys, I need to shit on some stuff that uh, Mr. Krabs is saying about the LRA network in the chat right so, now. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking just, at some of that stuff too. And, and I, I got a take on it, but go ahead. Okay, so Mr. Krabs, you're saying that, yeah, they were created to target a Latin audience, and you think it's weird that they're showing sci-fi, horror, and kung fu movies. Let me tell you a couple things. First of all, everyone everyone that matters loves kung fu movies. It doesn't matter what race you are. Also, um, the Latin market for horror is one of the biggest markets out there. You might not know this personally, but as someone who goes to a lot of horror conventions, someone who worked in a year-round Halloween store multiple years, knows that over half of our audience was Hispanic. So that's a big market. And you're starting to see, you're starting to see Hollywood figure that out, like with uh, Paranormal Activity, the marked ones, for example. And, you know, Robert Rodriguez with From Dust Till Dawn, he already knew what was up. But uh, you're going to see a lot more of that lately. So don't discount the horror as being, like, uh, inappropriate for their target demo because I think that it really is. But here and is, the, I mean, the thing about El Rey, and I will agree with this, is that it is a network that the bigwigs at cable carriers used to slide in as a Latino-flavored channel when honestly, if you look at the majority of the programming, it's not necessarily that. But at the same time, I agree with you in the fact that we don't necessarily need to talk down or look down upon a Latino market as a market that can only have, you know, Spanish shows about, you know, masked luchadors hunting vampires. Like that doesn't, mm -hmm. that is not all Latino programming is. Latinos like a lot of stuff. 
And the trick for El Rey has been always to to start there, to have that kind of niche marketing approach where like, yes, you need to include us because you want more minority programming or at least programming that respects minorities. And then you want to branch out and expand that and show the rest of the market out marketplace out there that they too enjoy these slightly Latino tinged and flavored programs that we're putting on. And that was kind of the point of how Dust Till Dawn was made with, you know, a Latino audience in mind, but at the same time, still two white male leads, just like the original movie, you know, and, and then you have Lucha Underground, which, you know, has a uh, Wero champion right now. Yeah. Which I thought I found interesting. And believe me, I heard a lot of people complaining about that, even when we were going to the temple of like, really, why am I going to see Lucha Libre with a, a white buff? wwe superstars champion hey i don't i don't care about the race but the fact that the big match that we're building to is two wwe guys wrestling each other kind of bugs me a little bit yeah, but i don't, I don't think that's valid i don't think that's valid because ray mysterio is an obvious choice regardless of the show he's on especially on el ray who he has a contract with the network and especially on lucha underground look again this, it's follow the money man it's follow the money you, you brought those yeah. two guys in you may have brought them in for completely different reasons um you know to me i forget at times they even really were huge wwe superstars because to me ray came from you know mexico and, and ecw yeah. even like you know, even his WCW phase, all I remember at this point is him like trying to hit Scott Steiner when he didn't have a mask on. Like, uh, <laughs> I forgot the filthy. I forget on a daily basis the filthy. I can't forget it. It's <laughs> like it's like Arquette with the championship belt. There are certain things you just can't. Oh, he, oh, he, look, he looks so cute. Well, exactly. Oh, but man. I'm just saying, look, my, my, but my point is this, like, I forget a lot of that stuff when I think about those guys. But at the end of the day, it's it's again, it's follow the money. You yeah. do have these two huge superstars. Doesn't matter how or why. Obviously, a big portion of that is because they were on the biggest global broadcast of professional wrestling anywhere, which is WWE. They're going to have a huge carryover from that, um, especially since the times which they both left were times when they were still viable as characters and performers that and probably shouldn't have even been leaving in the first place. And so, uh, Dante Oblivion, I got to say, that is not like me. Uh saying I don't like The Godfather because Al Pacino's a set of a woman guy. I, um, I've i actually Whoa. been following both Whoa. these guys' uh, both these guys' careers and... Whoa. Uh, Whoa. Whoa. Come on now! Come you on made now! You, they made a movie about a blind man driving a sports car. Whoa. Yeah, it's fucking dope. And, uh, no, see, um, the reason I'm saying this is what you do is you bring in WWE guys, right? And you have them put over the new star that you're creating. Maybe someone that's part of these fucking tribes. Um, but uh, I think yeah. there's room for that too. But look, look, yeah. we're going to talk about this when it comes to UFC too. And, and where everyone is getting to right now is whether you like it or not, you have to follow the money. Not everyone can pop a number. Not everyone can pop a show. And for them to give the rub to the other guys, sometimes you just have to let two big guys cash the F in. Yep. It's just that simple. And I think that's what they're doing here. They're doing a big, long, slow burnout that we didn't have to deal with in the temple. Like what happened on this week's episode was the beginning of the setup for this match for all of us who were going to it live. Yeah, we didn't have to watch any of the other stuff. Well, actually, I think maybe we got an announcement that 
Mundo and Mysterio would be facing each other for the title, but that that's it other than this angle. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, we didn't get the same amount of lead up. And so I think after the fact, they went back as they're spacing out their season, they're looking at where the Ray and Mundo stuff falls and they're saying, okay, well, we can either film a bunch more vignettes or maybe we just hype this one thing. See if we can pop a number. And when the ratings come out for this episode, we'll see if it was worth it or not. I have yeah. a feeling you're going to be very surprised. I think this show is going to do a much higher number when we get to this Ray Johnny thing than, than the normal Lucha number that they've been getting right now, which has been not doing bad, by the way. It's actually coming up a little bit now. I after after that, some, it's kind of... It started off big after the hiatus drop. It's coming back. Uh, I, I think the, also Mundo has really... He's really worked hard to establish himself in Lucha Underground as, as a money guy, as a main eventer, when he was kind of like Miz, mid-card level at best. Um, he was, you know, an impressive performer of no consequence in WWE. And, and watching him as, you know, the legit main event, you know, star of the show on Lucha Underground so much, you kind of get a little revisionist history and, and think of him as more important in WWE. He was a fucking tag team champion. Come on. He he got the belt that Benoit killed himself because he didn't want. Come on. Come wow. On. More Benoit talk. Look, <laughs> so let, let me just finish this off talking about season four. I agree with you a little bit, Byron. Like, yes, some of the backstage stuff is interesting. And honestly, I've been loving it the last few weeks when we're talking about some of the season four stuff and the Taya Mundo Vampiro stuff that's been going on in AAA and some of the other interesting behind the scenes stuff. But it's getting to the point now where it's so serious. I can't even talk about the information I actually have because it's not trivial. It's like people's livelihoods, jobs, families, careers. Like I, I honestly, I can't sit here right now and tell anyone everything that I know. I can't tell you what, uh, Stars in Lucha Underground's contracts may be affected by this. I can't tell you the inner workings of what negotiations might be going on backstage to get a season four. I can't talk about what's going on with the book. I can't talk about any of this stuff because it's too serious. It's way too real. You know, sorry, Dante, had to steal that for a second. I'm just saying, like, it's, it's seriously, it is that now. These are people's jobs, their livelihoods, their careers, you know, and we're not just talking about for a year. We're talking about for... For the next decade, what may happen to some of these workers and some of the people behind the show, you know, like there's literally I, I'm not exaggerating when I say that there's people involved with the show that are turning down work to do stuff for Lucha Underground, not being paid. And it's a big, big deal. Like this thing yeah, has to happen. And there's other people lying about the taping starting soon so they can get more bookings and then saying that depression isn't a mental illness. But there you go. Oh, give me Come on. I don't know. I think there's a lot of just. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. What's the misinformation? Well, do you tell me what the misinformation is, and I'll clear it up. Anybody wants? Anybody has misinformation out there? Ask me, and I'll clear it up as far as I can. Because okay, Justin, is depression a mental illness? <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. I'm sorry. It's, I'm it's sorry. just. It's just well, when you I, see I, when you see a wrestler tweet yes and no, I'm available. Casey. When you see a wrestler tweet, I'm available these weekends in October, which is when Lucha Underground was rumored to start filming again. And then you see another wrestler within hours of each other tweet, book me because I am going to be doing tapings again soon. 
you know right well that's not mince words i'm going to say who those people are that's jeff cobb and that's it's evil lise velez they are both um positioning themselves differently i think evil lise is taking one approach which is the optimistic approach of look i fully plan on going back to lucha underground i have faith that this uh green light's going to come through soon so if you want to see me i've been off for a while and we know she took a bunch of time off she's saying hey get me now i want to get back in the scene i want to get out there and work and if you don't get me now i'm probably not going to be available later and then you've got Cobb who's saying like oh all you guys who were trying to get at me all year and i was saying no i can't work then guess what i'm down to work then but i think he's also a little more displeased with where he's at contract wise than other people i think that he is now another guy like puma who's starting to want to to see the end of the the tunnel here he either wants an exit sign or he wants an open door back into the temple and i don't think it's out of line to say that he's not the only one there's a lot of guys griping i think sammy callahan's out there griping puma's obviously out there griping and i think at this point we should all probably be more worried about losing the indie stars that are in Lucha Underground than some of the AAA talent or even some of the guys who left AAA. I think their contracts and their positions to come back to, to Lucha Underground, all the guys we were worried about six months ago, like, you know, Pentagon and Phoenix and Jack Evans, I think those guys might be more set to come back than some of the regular indie guys like A.R. Fox and Shane Strickland and Jeff Cobb and some of the other guys that we've grown to love. Like, it's this is becoming a problem. This is another reason why whatever the holdup is over there, these are not people that DJ wants to lose or Evie Dub wants to lose or that, yeah. you know, other guys in the locker room even want to lose. I don't even think these are guys that people at El Rey wants to lose. But whoever's got the purse strings, if they don't release it soon, this is just going to be something that becomes more and more of a problem. That's why I put that poll up. Like, tell us what you think. Like, do you think that that anybody should be dragging their feet over whatever it is at this point? And, and and possibly losing portions of the show, like credible good portions of the show. Yeah, because that's the thing that people don't realize is that some of the good stuff that the show has is part of the El Rey deal. And if El Rey loses the show, we might not have some of the good stuff. Like Skip, uh, the guy who directs yeah, all like of the Skip, vignettes yeah. and makes half the show super awesome. The guy that makes the show look fucking amazing <laughs> isn't going to be a part of the show anymore if it's if it. Yeah not part of LA. I, mean, I, can't, I, I guess mean, it could be but i i mean he well, has fact of the matter an is, office position at el rey people don't understand right, that he's yeah. like the chief creative officer of the entire network if you go back and go to episode one and episode one was already a skip reboot of the garbage like they all admit that the first idea that they were going to make sucked and the <laughs> first, and they had to get skip to fix it which they've no, talked they, about on the yeah. show yeah. yeah, I mean, they didn't like go out and get him to fix it. They just he went and shot one vignette, and they go, "Oh, this is what the whole show should be." And then they just threw out everything they had already done. And so, and now what it is, what it is now is like version three of of that thing. And when you watch season one, even Skip's version then is super cheesy, and now it's like super in line, and it, they're upgrading a little bit at a time and developing it, and it's awesome. And basically, everything aesthetically. The whole style, the whole thing where you go, this is an awesome wrestling show. It's like a dark comic book with wrestlers in it, underground fighting, sci-fi, all this cool stuff. There, There's all the ideas in the wrestlers, but the presentation that makes it so much, so better, so much more cool for this specific audience, that is at El Rey with Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. So if you think about that, again, follow the money. Guess what? 
Skip doesn't seem like he wants the show to go away, so you got to follow the money right past him. It's not him, and he's one of Robert's right-hand men. And it's not fucking Robert, because he loves the show. Uh, well, and there's very few things left on his network that are really branded in his image, and this is yeah, one of right. them. I mean, you know, Dust Till Dawn is on a permanent hold, which pretty much means canceled, yet not officially canceled. Lucha Underground yeah. is on the semi-hold. You know, if, what does he have left? Director's chair? If it were me... Dude, are they even doing new director's chairs? I don't even think we got fucking director's chair. We got shitty-ass man-at-arms, the ripoff of Deadliest Warrior. We got that fucking rights of passage shit that's a ripoff of Josh Gates, and we got that fucking amazing race ripoff or whatever the fuck that is. Rights of passage isn't that bad, by the way. But but do you like the Josh Gates show better? Come on. Uh, Well, no, but that's because I was supposed to be on a Josh Gates show, and me and Josh don't get along. No. Oh, me. give us dirt. My mom loves Josh Gates. Tell I was going to be up. I was going to be the audio on camera guy um, oh. on one of the on his whatever the ghost one was where he was going all over the world. But I told him that, you know, you know, when I interviewed with Josh, he was kind of like, well, so who would you be as a character? I was going to and I said, look, I'm going to be the black guy that's not as scared of the same dumb shit that you guys are afraid of all the time. Like, I'm either going to not go into it because it's stupid and I'm going to send you in there with a mic pack on your own or I'm going to go in there and say, Josh, this is stupid. Why are we afraid of this? And he didn't like that so much. He, he, didn't, no, fu- he, he, didn't, think, he didn't think it was funny. Yeah. You should have you said, I, I, I watch horror movies. I'm going to be the one who dies first. That's all you have I to know, say. I know. Told, I told him I watch horror <laughs> movies and I refused. I told him I was like the Ernie Hudson. Like, I want to make it to the last frame and then die at the end. Or like... Or like fucking LL Cool J who dies yeah. and comes back to life at the end. The chef. What the fuck? Fucking Deep Blue Sea and fucking Halloween H2O. Come on. I mean, come on. But anyway, um, anyway, I like Rights Patch. But yeah, I, I yeah. just feel like this whole thing is at uh, a standstill. I feel semi-responsible as a fan. Um, you know, I think all the real fans, if you're a real fan at this point, you have waning interest. I feel like the real fans, the ones who aren't just marks, have a waning level of interest because of the frustration. And anybody who knows me, whether it's, you know, private conversations in a DM or in real life or whatever, knows that I have been one of the most optimistic proponents of this thing coming back and being in good shape. I got to say, at this point in time, I'm actually worried. I'm worried that this is going to come back in the fashion that I want it to come back in, that it's going to come back and be the things that I loved about it. I don't doubt that DJ could still write a great show. And sadly for DJ, I feel like he's in a really powerful position because he could probably write something that would entertain me regardless of the talent that he got. But at the same time, so what? I like this talent. I like this roster. I like a lot of these guys. I, I'm not just there to see Pentagon. I'm not just there to see, you know, uh, Mil Muertes. I, there, there's other guys. Like, I like a lot of the mid-card guys. I like Marty the Moth. I like, I love AR Fox, what he's doing with Killshot. Um, you know, Dragon Azteca Jr. Love, I, a ton of these mid-card guys. Jack Evans. Sammy Callahan, whether you like him in real life or not, I love him as a worker and anywhere he works. I really don't care what he's doing backstage. If he pisses you off, tough shit for you. I think that guy is amazing performer and I would pay to watch him any day of the week. Um, 
and but not in a WWE gimmick ever again. <laughs> he could go yeah. back up to the big show, and I will just turn him off because that would He's be a computer st- hacker. What you, he has an iPad in the oh, ring. What are you talking about? He could turn the lights off and on, but not like the Undertaker. He needs a fucking computer. Yeah, it's horrible. But anyway, my my point is, if we're not going to get the show back the way that we want it back, I also have a problem with that. Like, if there's all of a sudden a green light, but there's a bunch of caveats on what that green light means, like whether it be that we're waiting another six or seven months to get a different version of the show, or it comes back immediately, but, you know, they can't get half the talent back, or, you know, anything major like that, or some of the staff doesn't come back, or what if DJ and Roach can't do it again? I mean, Roach is a busy guy. Call me. Call Casey. Call Casey. Fucking Pentagon goes over everyone. Fucking, I bring in Dan Shokudino to give like fucking um, Byron a lap dance and Matt Stryker. And uh, I mean, but what if Roach doesn't come back and he was the one that said we can't leave the belt on Sexy Star and everyone else wanted to leave it on her for like a year? You know, what if he's the voice of reason and then he's gone all of a sudden? I'm going to find out. PowerCon. I'll ask both these guys if they show up. Are you going? Oh, God. DJ's got to go. They might both be working, though. Isn't it during uh, BB? Uh, Shit. I don't know. It's in September, dude. So it might be because it's during the fall season fucking for sure. But man, that Big Brother schedule, like, I don't care what you do. Uh, if you're working on Dude, Big Brother, fucking shout out, shout out to DJ getting an on-air character on fucking Big Brother. Well, that's his second time. Like he played, yeah. he played the uh, or second or third time. But yeah, his yelling guy was pretty awesome. And I, <laughs> I watched BB regularly, and I turned it on that night, and I was like, what? But I watched it on the West Coast feed. So then my, I opened up Twitter, and everybody in the world had already tweeted at him. But he knows I watch BB. So in fact, when I ran into him at the Spider Man. We didn't even talk about Lucha Underground. All we talked about was BB. <laughs> Shit, even I would have been talking about Spider-Man. That fucking Spider-Man was dope. Did well, you we see hadn't it seen it yet. We were walking into uh, it. I uh, saw him. It was like a Monday morning, and we were both at the Cheap Show. It was his one day off from BB, and I was there seeing it in the morning so I could go cheap at the at the IMAX. And uh, I was just like, oh, what's up, DJ? <laughs> like, Big Brother's crazy this year. And he's like, I know. <laughs> So Byron, dude, did you see Spider-Man yet? You got to see that shit, bro. It's no, fucking- I'm going to go see Dunkirk in 70 millimeter probably tonight if you guys don't keep talking forever. It's all funny right. because all I've heard is that it fucking sucks, but not as much as Dark Tower. Jesus fucking Christ. Have you no, been Dunkirk is reviews? awesome. You're stupid. And I'm going to see it after 9 p.m. for only $9 in IMAX. Everyone needs to go see Valerian because I heard Valerian didn't suck that bad. And everyone's going to see like the Emoji movie and oh. Dunkirk and other shit instead. Uh, I got to I gotta say, I saw Atomic Blonde instead, and it was a fucking mistake. That movie was dog shit, bro. Really? I just heard from my cousin today that he really liked it. But I told him to go see Baby Driver. You got you oh, got to get gotta your, you got to get your cousin to watch some real action movies like the fucking Raid. Like just say watch the Raid, watch oh, fucking Raid is great. Love that movie. Ricky O Ricky O's story of Ricky. That would be like a, another good one. I like the Raid too because every character has like a specialty set of moves but they don't tell you what it is and they don't telegraph it or make it obvious. Mm-hmm. But they like wrote into the move set styles for every character in that fucking movie, which is amazing. It, yeah, it's like it's like you're playing Street Fighter, but no one tells you any of the fucking commands, so you're just button mashing for the whole movie. It's fucking dope. Yeah. Um, hey, I want to give a big shout-out to Twit. No, I don't. No, why? 
Oh, I want to give a big shout out to in the chat room. Someone wrote kill Whitey and I just wanted to shout that out. Byron, you're not good at putting yourself over. There is a more <laughs> subtle way to put yourself over than what you do at Byron fever. Oh my God. Listen. So let's talk about this episode. Yeah. Uh, briefly. Um, <laughs> uh, Alberto just made, just fucking popped me. That's all. That's oh all. God. Always. Um, so this episode, I'm going to say right now that Puma versus Dante of all the wrestling I saw this week. No, dude. Okay. Everyone is saying if you don't even watch Lucha Underground, fucking buy this episode on iTunes right now. Yeah. Like, yeah, like Cubs fans pimping it. Like, if you hate the sci fi shit, don't worry. Just skip it and watch the fucking matches because they're amazing. And, and, this is, and this is part of what's ticking me off. This Puma-Dante yeah. match is amazing. Mm -hmm. And yet I feel like the stink of a lack of a season four pickup is making people who should have faith in just watching oh. good wrestling whenever it's on. I feel like they're like, oh, well, you know, shit, their own network's not even picking them up. Why should I bother watching what's left of season three? Because what's left of season three is freaking amazing. Yeah, it was. We were there. You guys can fucking trust like, us. I mean, I feel like even J-Man and Urban are kind of over it, and they were like some of the biggest fans ever. And yet it's hard for them to get it behind it because they feel like, you know, the bigwigs aren't even behind it. So why should they be behind it? It's they're, amazing. Those, those guys are still alive. I heard they died or something. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I, mean, I saw yeah. them last week. I was actually in Tennessee. Well... Oh God! If they put the dark matches out on Blu-ray, how dope would that be? Never happened. Uh, they didn't they record that shit. It's not gonna so. happen. They didn't, and you know what? No, they didn't. The camera I, guys I, took a break. I am so glad that they didn't because I have done nothing but torture Rob Viper with how great Pindar versus Aerostar was, and how I was I felt so lucky to see such a beautiful match, which is a shoot. But I overplayed a little bit just to make Rob Viper cry because his tears <laughs> are delicious to me. He deserves it. Well, so Your Canadian of, tears are delicious to me, eh? So speaking of Pindar, uh, Pindar versus Phoenix, super duper solid. Yeah. <laughs> his zipper, it looked like Pindar didn't fit in his suit, like he was too fat. You Other know why? That, it's, it because it was, it's because it was MVP's fucking suit, okay? That's what I'm saying. Like, SP is not unfit at all. I feel like he looks more unfit in the suit. He's yeah. wearing another guy's clothes. That's my theory. No one has fucking confirmed this, but I still think Pindar hey, hey, was originally going to be. No one has MVP. denied it either. I don't think right. DJ denied it. No, but he also didn't deny when I said Katie Vick was his idea. So it might have been. I don't know if that's. I if think. That's how I we're think the two. I think the two ideas that DJ was responsible for and WWE that he's ashamed of are Katie Vick and making Kelly Kelly stop doing the strip tease. And, and and when he wanted to put the belt <laughs> on never, Katie, he'll never remember, cop to him. But I think remember, those are his. Remember ideas. when he said like he wanted to put the belt on Katie Vick because she had the work rate he looks for in a female champion. Oh, oh! He basically got to do that storyline after all. And moving on. Yeah. Um. So Byron, work yes. work wise, anything that you want to say about Pindar versus Phoenix? I mean, you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, it two was, of the most solid guys out there. Period. There, there was really no way for this yeah. match to. I feel be. like I as a show, Casey, he asked me. No one, no cares. one wants to hear what you have to say as, about as, anything. As a show, we so, don't get Phoenix it was anywhere a good match. near enough Here, love. 
Here's everything. I don't even know how to use it. He muted thing. himself. He fucking muted himself. Here we go. I muted you. So here's the thing. It was a good match. Uh, They're hyping up the story with Melissa and Phoenix. They did that top rope Spanish fly. Everyone is doing the top rope Spanish fly now, which is, you know, whatever. It's like the Sin Cara, Apron, and Seguri, you know, every single match. And so um, I do like that Phoenix won with the double knee off the top rope, a la Rick Rude, rest in peace, uh, upper body business kid. And um, for fuck's sake, Steve, it's an upper body business. There was that moment where they did the Spanish fly off the top and Phoenix didn't get any kickoff. So he just fucking just flat backed off the top rope. But Steve Payne, Pindar, did the proper bump. So it looked, these guys were safe and it looked like it was a move. But you know what it's supposed to look like because you see this done in every match. So you could tell that Phoenix almost broke his neck. And then you cut to Melissa because that was his big move before he does the finish. You cut to Melissa, she's smiling and looking happy about her hero. And Stolman, no, Byron, Byron, Hold talk on. about our boy Stolman. Talk about I, that's our what I'm doing, but you're, you're you're interrupting me. I just want to know if it's wrong to like when Melissa smiles. It's nice, yes. but she's doing her acting moment, you know, like, oh, Phoenix is such a good warrior, and blah blah blah. And in the background, Stolman's like eye rolling because there was a big botch in the ring, and Phoenix <laughs> almost broke his neck. <laughs> I want to play. I want to play poker with Stolman. I, think I also, that, uh, uh, I also I, want to say, yes, it's wrong to like when Melissa smiles because she's thinking about Cage naked. I mean, wh- wherever it comes from, I'm just saying that when she smiles, it, it, it's a good thing. Like, I'm not just there for all the rest of the surface stuff, but the smile's pretty. Happiness is for Marks, Justin. Well, I'm not Happiness a Marks. for Marks. So, uh, uh, yeah. That's our next T-shirt, by the way. Happiness is for Marks. And uh, then they had... Um, and then, you know, later in the episode, they followed up with another vignette where Melissa and Phoenix were talking in Spanish about the mask and stuff. And I thought that was cool. They're talking in Spanish. Is that what language that was? I thought uh, that was maybe. German. It might have been Portuguese. Very Who knows? Yeah. They're all probably the same language, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. And But but they also incorporated a little bit of the mask. So I, kind of, I really liked how they brought that aspect back into the show. It was a convincing performance by both of them. And then Marty did his crazy bit. And it looked like the car that Marty was standing by was covered in bird poop. Dude, and Boyle Heights okay. birds don't fuck around, man. No, like, that's, that's a rough neighborhood, man. The birds so, you know, die. they moved that storyline along. That was cool. Also, uh, later in the show, when we I, I don't know if we'll actually bring this up, so I want to bring it up now. When Johnny Mundo walks to the ring, there's a good close-up of Casey giving him the double bird. Yeah, I think it was great that Hoke was fucking gifting the whole show and couldn't do me a solid there because you, you know what? I'm going to go fucking support that other guy, the anarchist gifter. I'm going to go give him some Patreon oh, well, money right now. I heard that guy was a Nazi. Oh, don't start any gif, gif battles here, man. Those gift wars get ugly. I heard Underhook DDT was a Nazi. Oh, geez. Wow. He's part you of the know. Nazi clique. Do I have to do my 20 minutes on, on what would happen if the blacks had to face the Nazis right now? You said 25 earlier. Well, I could I could do 25, but I'm saving that last five. Can I tell you guys how happy I was? I took my first uh, sketch writing class. And, well, I was a little sad when um, when the teacher was showing us sketches. And he goes, here's an old one. It's a little rough around the edges, but let's watch it. I don't want you guys to start writing stuff this blue. It's an old sketch. And I got really sad because I knew exactly what he was going to show. And I've watched it like live. 
What was know? the sketch? And then he put it on. It was angry. It was Will Ferrell's angry boss from SNL. He said that yeah. that was too blue. He's he does he didn't want us to write like that, but he that was something that we watched. Wow! And like, Network. Wow! Network. Network. Stuff I'm writing right now. What he, the fuck? <laughs> well, there's there's murder. Two. There's rape. He looks Chris Kattan in the face and says, "I am this close to raping you," which yeah. is not acceptable in today's standards. You don't threaten someone like that, dude. I'm doing I'm doing like. 40 minutes next week and it starts off with the underage rape of a male minor that's the way hey, my bit starts Casey, that's how uh, i start oh Casey, you're starting a 40 minute comedy bit i thought you were just starting 40 minutes of rape um, no no you gotta no, clarify no, in the beginning I can, go, I can go way longer than that nice uh, fucking Lucha loco hard on pills right there brother i don't know you, depends on how excited you get right all right so look let's We'll get off rape here. Oh, so, just just for tonight, Byron. Just think about Indians baseball. Very poor choice of words. Very poor choice of words, Justin. All right, look. So, um, the double bird. <laughs> we we're talking about that, but I we got to go back to the match of the week real quick. And you know, there was a little bit of debate whether Dragon Azteca Junior versus Mundo was better than Puma versus Dante. I don't think it was, and I'm going to no. tell you why because. There was a point, and I'm not necessarily one that loves just stupid flippy shit matches, but there was a point where it was like, when these guys were doing it, it made sense to a certain extent of, I'm going to show you what I'm made of. I'm going to show you the stuff that I can do. It wasn't just needless no-selling flippy shit, but they were both doing so many dives that Dante Fox, the only time I have seen in his career was legit blown up winded for at least i don't know 30 seconds and that was about it yeah but he doesn't sweat i have never seen him really break a sweat like that uh, with all the crazy stuff i've seen him do and i've never really seen him actually like take a second and it wasn't a rest holder it wasn't a spot it was really him just going (laughs) like he just worked up like i was shocked and that was the moment where i was like Oh my God, we are seeing something here that really can't be explained away. Like this is something special. And I know him and and Trevor have some kind of friendship. So obviously, you know, they wanted to put it out there for each other. They wanted to go the extra mile. They weren't the main event. I don't even think that the day of it was a main event. It was kind of an afterthought match of, oh, let's just go out and see what these guys do. And I think they put a little something special together themselves. And I'll give it up for for King Trevor Ricochet, whatever we're calling him this week. No, no, we do not call him King. No, there is one King, and that is King Sid. King, so King Puma. um, King Puma's a CMLL guy. It's Puma King, not King Puma. (laughs) Uh, Whatever the 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 not Latino brown skin guy did a. did some really good work, and I thought that it was PJ, uh, PJ Black. He's, uh, he's not that one. <laughs> I think it was real impressive. Uh, well, they, it's you see, there's something about all the flippy stuff. But to your point, what you're saying, where they were incorporating dives, which are impressive feats of athleticism. Yeah, like if this was Zach Saber and and if this was Zach Saber and Will Osprey or something, and they did the exact same moves, I wouldn't have bought it the same way. 
Like, they sort of like goes. They still sort of the psychology. It's the psychology. Still would, yeah, the psychology wouldn't have been there. And I don't think that that Puma is a great actor by any stretch of the imagination. But I think that Dante, and the way he presents his in-ring psychology to accompany his flippy shit, goes a long, long yeah. way. And it's like, man, I'm almost mad that Ricochet is leaving because if there was a Puma Rick or uh, yeah, a Puma. Um, Dante feud next year in season four. Holy crap. That could be fire. Like the stuff I think those guys could work up to over the course of three or four matches together, I think would be insane. Insane. Like, so take that with you Puma over to WWE. Who's going to, who's going to bump for you like AR Fox over in WWE, unless you take him with you, you son of a bitch. No, the fucking, um, what's his name? The fucking, the, the drifter. There you go. <laughs> Elias. <laughs> Elias Cody Samson. It's a it's Elias Cody Samson because his hairline's about as good. Oh, mm. oh you know what though? Elias brutal. Samson is a much better WWE style performer than okay, I will say that. Yeah, no, I don't and I don't mind him there at all. So anyway. Not as an insult. I love that match. There's not much I need to say about it. Um and then the the Dadge Mundo match we'll get into in a second. What are you doing, Casey? Sound like uh, I'm opening a Frankenstein. All right, I'm going to meet you because it's loud in my ears. Why? Um, anyway, Captain Hotness returned. Yeah. On, on my version of Casey's scale of one to five, the episode, I think, immediately gets a five because uh, Carmen Perez as Captain Hotness was on there. Are we, allowed to, are we allowed to rate it higher or does the show become TVMA at that point? Uh, it might, it might be anyway. If like, if I said what I was thinking, no, I'm kidding. She's a, she's a married woman. We won't talk about her like that again. Oh, <laughs> uh, look at, look at how fucking, you know dumb. what though? You know what though? Despite how dumb Casey is, <laughs> I like how they advanced. They advanced that storyline where one, they made fun of, uh, Cortez for being awful in the ring. And then two, they established uh, that Cage is a god and they need the gauntlet and no human man, no mortal man can stop him. And then they established that there's a non-mortal, non-man with half an amulet that does want to take something from Cage. So I'm very interested to see where this goes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, look, if uh, if a man can't get it done, uh, well, I want to see Captain Hotness go in there and take it from Cage. I think she can do it. I think Carmen could get the gauntlet off of Cage. I think so, too. I don't know what she's going to do with it when she does. I'm a little worried that she's going to murder a bunch of people backstage if that happens. And that's how they're going to explain away all the talent they don't get back for season four. Like, they'll get Carmen back and they'll just put her in the gauntlet and she'll just go and you'll just see blood all over people's names on lockers. And then we'll have, yeah. like, a new cast of three people after and, Carmen murders And they're all. All, they're all former Big Brother <laughs> cast members and they're, and Carmen and... I think cool. Jesse is the only other one that, that might be able to stand in the ring. And I don't know that the uh, Latino-tinged market would really appreciate... Dude, what about Sid Jr., bro? Come on. Right. Ijo de Sid is on, was on Big Brother. Come on. Um, so, yeah, that segment, that was a great vignette. Now, Dragon Azteca Jr. versus Mundo was supposed to give us a glimpse into what Ray versus Mundo could be. And I, mm. I really like Dragon Azteca, but at the same time, 
Uh, I don't buy that. I don't think it's a window into what Ray offers and brings to any ring with the amount of charisma that he has and with the the fan support that he has. It's just going to be a different vibe than that every time. I don't care if Dadge had the same skill set 100%. It's not going to be the same as Ray. Johnny doesn't know what he's getting himself into. And I got to tell you, messing with Dom, like Dom might not be trained yet, but that's a big boy. That kid's a fucking hoss, man. Jesus. He is a hoss. And you know, at some point in time, he's going to get the proper training. And I don't, I mean, I know that that was a work to a certain extent, but we were there. And I'm telling you, man, Dom looked like he didn't, maybe he wasn't in on the whole thing and where it went to did not seem like it was cool for him. And I think he's got a receipt planned for Johnny at some point in time down the line. Like, I think Dom is going to go and get trained up and come back big and beefy one of these days down the line. And it might be in AAA. It might be in Lucha Underground. It might be back in WWE. I don't know. I think he's going to legit lay a couple in on Mundo at some point in time for whatever BS went down there. Oh shit! I gotta say, Byron, Byron just what? just popped. You just popped me in the chat. I, I'm fucking shit. Jesus. Byron actually got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking to Krabs because he's the dumbest person in the chat room right now. That's... Oh shit! What? Why are you being mean to people who actually listen to our show? Yeah, he asked the question. Fine, fine. Here's What's a question. question. You Justin, asked me the question. question. We got question. a question from the chat room. All right. What's the question? Here's the question. Hold on. I told him to direct. Here's here's the question. I had no idea the councilman was played by famous actor Lorenzo Lamas. Councilman Delgado? He didn't know that Councilman Delgado was renegade. No. Thanks. Thanks for watching the show. Both shows. Wait, wait, wait. wait, 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 That's what I'm saying. Like, you're watching a very inside baseball show about Lucha Underground. And this is a character that was on seven times before they were killed. How do you not know that Renegade, another show that you should have seen a lot of times in your life, if you're watching anything on El Rey Network, how did you not know that Renegade was Councilman Delgado? And dude, I just wanted Byron to read that so that we That's could good. talk. We He's could talk about troll. Lorenzo. Oh, no. I got uh, I got breaking news, guys. I got breaking news real quick. This is getting trouble. Did you know that the Honky Talk Man played a guy who works in a jail in episode one, season three? Holy shit, guys. I just got some word from Dave Meltzer who text messaged me and said that Prince Puma is played by Ricochet. Holy fucking shit. Did you guys but, know that Lucha Libre legend Vampiro is an announcer on Lucha Underground? No, I did. Breaking I did news. hear that. I thought that, that was Lucha Uncle Nestor. No runner uh, Eric Van Wagen was also uh, has a cop fetish for handcuffs. No, and was a uh, did a cockpit on the underground wow. once. Wow, wow. Uh, maybe the dungeon was his idea, but uh, ah, now it's all making sense. It's all exactly. coming together. I gotta congratulate the dearly departed Lorenzo Lamas, um, because when he Wait, was yeah, did you know Lorenzo Lamas got kilt, kilt with a T? Also, yeah. he got kilt. Well, Dude, we don't he, know if he can be resurrected. We do know that he doesn't. That his head doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, like I don't think that you resurrect that. I think that's that's he, uh, a little bit unlocking someone in a coffin. Really great on Battle of the Network Stars. I don't know if you guys saw it, but they had TV cops, including a reunion of Ponch and John from Chips, all nine hundred years old of them. 
and uh, they were they were going up against like uh, sitcom stars, including Todd Bridges, who has been up against cops many times in his life. He's been and, up against and uh they they actually lost but lorenzo lamas did great uh but yeah the the tv cops didn't do so do so well um <laughs> uh, but you know ronda rousey's the coach for the for the uh sitcom stars team so she she probably man do you shit. know how much crap i took for spoilers from the the women's tournament holy smokes yeah like i took a lot of shit for that one when does that air on tv i'm so like wait September? or or <laughs> What? They're not, did you hear that they're doing budget cuts, so all the original programming on the network is is getting cut? Oh no, not Camp WWE. Well, like talking smack those shows and like all uh, everything that yeah. Yeah, well, I can't tell really you what other ones existed. I cut the fireworks budget too, which makes me mad because it was right before I started actually going to two events this year. So let me talk a little bit about WWE. I think we're good with uh, with Lucha, right? Anybody got anything else to say about Dom or Ray or Johnny Mundo or any of that stuff? Uh, good match. Uh, I got to say that this week's episode was a zero out of five. No Pentagon, and he didn't win. You missed it. He was on. You just you, know, you can't it. even give it a star for, for Captain Hotness? Nah, because you know what? You had and and Cobra Moon, both in the same episode. Come on, that's got to at least get a half a star out of you. Because I feel like when they come on our show, our like ratings numbers get really high, and I I feel like I I like to feel like it's me driving the ratings, and um, see so, like, okay, I get what Thunder, you're saying. Thunder Thunder Rosa was our highest rated episode, and I wasn't even fucking on it. But she's not anymore. It's the cross episode now, and. That's pretty amazing for a guy who has not once appeared on Lucha Underground TV and not once really on American television at all. <laughs> yeah, dude, you can tell Cross is getting over huge in Mexico because he's starting to get the creepy Mexican female Twitter fans like Phantasma. So, like, yeah, that's a big deal, bro. But yeah. watch out. They'll cut you. <laughs> like, dude, I mean, he's just the simple fact of the matter is when people see him, he gets over. I, and it doesn't even matter how or why anymore. Like his his big plight in life is purely to get seen by more people because he's going to get over unless it's in the E because I think the E would saddle him with some middling low level NXT gimmick that just wouldn't get over. There's there's other guys that have a similar look and and skill level to him that they haven't figured out what to do with and they're not letting them be themselves. And I feel like if he was in the E. Uh, he'd be the same way. He really needs to make himself on the Indies or or GFW or AAA Lucha Underground somewhere else first. Even even Ring of Honor. Could you imagine a beast like that in Ring of Honor? Oh that would change that whole program. Well, he's, I, I, I would want him to beat up the fans because Ring of Honor fans are the most annoying fans in wrestling, even worse than NXT. They well, are. Cross, the Cross is someone fans. who um, respects the business. He is humbled by being in the business and his and you know humbled by the history of it, and he will outwork anyone and everyone around him. I don't I know. Feel, I feel like look, I'll, I'll put the guy over, but I wouldn't, I'm not going to necessarily say but, he'd outwork everyone in the ring, but I think he outworks I mean, everyone in his, yeah, in his overall presentation, yeah. um, his kayfabe, his, his walk whoa, around whoa, presentation. What, is, his, what does kayfabe even mean? I, I don't know. know. With him, I don't know because that's how much work he's putting in. But yeah, he's, he does the social media. He, he works on his shoot fighting and his wrestling skills. He works on his networking. 
who knows how much he's even running FSW, but you know he has a hand mm-hmm. in promoting mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What? No, he he is on the he's on the outs with the FSW promoters that keep fucking him over, Byron. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Anyways, he's he's a kind of guy who like who I, and I didn't mean work as in work rate inside the ring because he is still relatively new. Um, so I don't want to start drawing those comparisons, but as far as like the effort that he puts into being a successful wrestler, um, all across the board, all different aspects. He, he said it himself, he looks at it like he wants to make him the best investment that he can for a company that wants to invest in him. All right. Well, look, anyways, yes. Kevin Cross is the shizzle, but we got to keep moving along because another podcast is going to come on with a huge guest and yeah. no one's going to be listening to us anymore anyway. Fuck that. yeah, Twit. Wow, I can't wait. No, 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 no Thunder Rosa. No, no Twit, way, too wow. real, way too real has Thunder Rosa tonight, man. And, That's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Uh, can I do my raw Even review? Hater like raw Casey, it's going to be awesome. I, I watched I thought, Raw this week. Can I do my Raw review? Um, no. Yeah, uh, go ahead because I did not watch Raw, but. I watched I Raw. The main event was the three-way, and they had a clean finish, and it was kind of fun to watch. But in general, uh, nothing of consequence happened, and uh, I don't care. I wish I didn't watch it. Well, SmackDown was clearly going to be the bigger show this week, but yeah. I, I am going to reward WWE with a brief moment of kudos in these clean finishes. Um, the clean finish for AJ to get the U.S. title back last week on SmackDown was great. Uh, the clean finish with, uh, I, well, I can't call it an entirely clean finish, but the clean finish with Cena and and Shinsuke was also great. Like, dudes that are just, clean. yeah, I mean, it was. It was clean. I mean, dudes just getting the wins and having it make sense uh, that this guy beat this guy today is great. Uh, and, and Shinsuke getting the win over Baron, also great. Um, yeah. you know, so these moments, I think this is finally what they should have been doing with Shinsuke. I'd like to think that this was their plan all along and it, it's, it works. It totally works. And I hope it gets the guy over now, since I was at SmackDown, um, let me say this, the Kevin Owens, AJ Styles match, the ref botched that so hard. They tried that ref bump three times, and even the last one was like, oh, my God, that's the one you decide to sell? Like, they clearly, they walked a foot into your face, and you no-sold it. And then AJ alerted you to the fact that the finish was a ref bump, and they tried a second one before that. And then Kevin and, and AJ looked completely lost after that. Like, we have to try this again? So Kevin just throws the weird, silly whatever thing that knocks Straight them. up punches them. And that was Kyoto too, wasn't it? Like, come on, dude, you've been there for 20 freaking years and you don't know how to ref bump? And then, so so KO punches him, like right crosses him more or less, whatever yeah. he was doing. He just straight up punches him. And then backstage when he's like, my eye, I can't see my eye. He's holding his right eye. If you don't it's get punched, the eye. it's the wrong eye. Like, oh. did somebody not agent Kyoto a little bit for this match? Like who, I want to know who the agent was on this match. Because it's their fault. Kyoto's smoking doobies backstage before the show. Like the writers wrote something that could work. The wrestlers worked something that worked. 
But the agent did not prepare the referee enough to be involved in the actual match. When anyone else is getting involved, the agent should walk them through the go-home moment of the match. Yeah. So when they decide to take it home, preferably all three of them together, <laughs> they can actually do it. It was horrifying. It was the worst thing I saw live. And it's like, I love those two guys as performers. To see that live was just like, oh, uh, the E is added again. But then the uh, the Shinsuke match. Oh, Nao- before I get to that, Naomi's uh, light up belt live is awesome. Like, I hated the spinner belt. I thought it was a defamation of everything that was sacred about wrestling. But because they've already done that and because we're at where we are and nobody liked the universal title when they revealed it in the first place, I think this iteration of the the new... I'm not muting you because I dislike you, Casey. I'm muting you because that's loud in my ears. Um, I just think this iteration of the, the cool light-up belt was really awesome. That ring, Her ring entrance was great. Cena, Nakamura amazing amazing i have never seen either of those two guys perform live before um never really had any desire to see cena live before but the second his music hit i freaking popped it felt good in that arena it felt good to know that as soon as shinsuke was going to come out he was going to get a bigger pop it felt like the right thing it was nice that it was two faces so i didn't have to worry about some stupid heel swerve um and I like that the fact that they kept all the heels swerving to after the match. And so the cool things about it were, you know, all the working up to the finish made a lot of sense. The strong style sell from Cena was perfect to me and really made Shinsuke look like what he's supposed to look like. I thought some of Shinsuke stuff was a little off, but these are two guys that have spent no time in the ring together. And right. for them to perform at this level was great. The, the neck bump that Cena took. It was, I mean, like gnarly, like it was parents covering little kids eyes like, oh, my God, we just saw John Cena die and it was legit bad. The ref went over, was about to throw up the X like, I mean, like he was a second away from it and Cena kind of grabbed his hand like, no, no, let's go to the finish. And the re- you could tell the ref like was like, what? What are you talking about? You're legit hurt right now. And Cena kind of points over at Shinsuke like, no, no, let's do the. Like he even kind of fake raised his hand, like, no, no, we're going to do the whole finish. So they start going into the rest of the, they go into the finish of the match right there. You know, Shinsuke gets the clean win or whatever. And then afterwards, Cena rolls out of the ring, which you don't see on TV is like the dude's running out to talk to him. Like, what's up? They're looking at his neck. The doc's checking him like, and the doc is about to drag him in the back. And Cena is telling all those guys like, no, no, we're going to do the whole finish. They weren't working it for the crowd because they were doing it kind of, over by the barrier and trying to tuck away and Shinsuke was doing all the spots. All the camera was on Shinsuke at the time, the big entrance and the recap of the finish and everything before the, the swerve ending. And um, it was really Cena like kudos to Cena because he was just out there saying, no, we're doing this whole finish you know, attitude adjustment yeah. and all with the table spot and everything. We're doing it. We're putting Shinsuke over period. And the ref comes over and checks and like they inform the ref like, yep, we're going to still do the whole thing. And so he went and finished it out. And it was like, God dang, man, you can say what you want about John Cena. But after a bump like that, nobody in the world would have blamed him if he rolled out of the ring and was like, figure something else out for the finish. I'm going to the back. Even if he wasn't, you know, concussed, which he probably was. Um, and then it, it just went over great. 
you know, and uh, then we also got a dark match that was uh, uh, another little piece of Randy Orton versus gender, which people didn't see. Yeah. And dude, you know, half the crowd left before that because yeah. 205 Live wasn't bad, but it was just like, you're going to watch John Cena versus Sinsuke Nakamura and then two cruiserweight matches with guys you don't know. Yeah. And then you get a little taste of what uh, Orton and Mahal have been working for a month and a half already. That was like a whole nother hour and a half after SmackDown went off the air that no one could have given a F about. Anyway, that was my thoughts on it. It was a great, great match, though. Uh, Puma versus Dante was still better. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I got to say that Cena is on his way out because I don't know if you guys have heard the great Hollywood news that Cena is the new star of Transformers Bumblebee. Yeah. So if you were avoiding... Co-star, co-star Mark Wahlberg and uh, Megan Fox are also in that movie. Um, well, it, um, it makes it even well. He was gonna be. He, gets, he was. He was gonna be a co-star anyway. He's not fucking Bumblebee. I mean, come on. But True it makes that. it an even bigger deal that he gets dropped on his head, on his neck, before going off to make a movie. Like he's coming back just to put over Shinsuke. At least he didn't get his face broken like if it was Seth Rollins. Oh, what are you disco <laughs> inferno now on Twitter? Oh, Any if shot you start tweeting, I told you so. Yes, that's what we all do. That's what you're supposed to do, damn it. Dude, Disco Inferno's like the best. We put him over every fucking week and he still won't do the show because he knows that if he does the show, we'll stop putting him over every week. But so he's also we'll... on like five other shows himself. Yeah, and they're all much higher rated than ours. Well, uh, just yeah, a little bit. There's just a minimum a requirement bit. to get on MMM show. You need to be able to do a figure four. That's why The Miz hasn't been on. Hey, don't talk about people from Cleveland like that. I'm kidding. He figured it out, but not when he was being managed by Ric Flair. He couldn't do it then. Yeah, now now it's all right. Now it's it's only as bad as Hogan's figure four. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, 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 Hey, uh, breaking news. Hulk Hogan took a dump in his backyard recently and tweeted about it. Breaking, you know, breaking news. You know, he Bruce might have pissed. about BB-19 <laughs> and not about uh, Lucha Underground. <laughs> Because he likes paychecks. Oh, oh shit. Shots fired. Just but, saying. Just saying. Tweet about the shows that actually pay you. Come hey, on. Uh, uh, guys. Why the fuck am I tweeting links to this show? Jesus. <laughs> hey, uh, Justin, uh, there's some commentary in the chat room about the Browns. I don't know if you wanted to go check them out. It says, Justin, Justin loves John Cena so much. Why doesn't he marry him? Yeah, there's never there's never been commentary in any chat room about the Browns that's been anything I need to read because it can't <laughs> possibly be good. What does one dash one five mean? Who the fuck? Who's Johnny Manziel and why is he a bust? That's uh, Johnny Football, dude. That's who Johnny Gorgano stole his name from. Johnny Manziel, yeah, he's a bust. Yeah. Anyway, listen, <laughs> sports. <laughs> we're not. We're, if we're gonna talk about sports. We're going to talk about combat the, sports. The death of combat sports. fish bag so small. Iron Woodley. That's what we're going to talk about right now. Goddamn, pal. Iron, I know you probably didn't watch the the big the big fights this weekend. But uh, um, did you watch no, the saw, goddamn fights? I saw fights, get knocked out and I saw him cry after the fight and Joe Rogan's like, "I don't like to interview fighters after they've been knocked out." 
but well, yeah, why don't you try to make some sense? Giving him a sit- <laughs> Dummy. Look, okay, so here, here, here's a little bit of the problem with, with Saturday night's fights, the UFC 214. You have Robbie Lawler versus Cowboy Cerrone early in the evening. Phenomenal fight, pretty much exactly what everyone expected. Cowboy was almost done in like the first 15 seconds and then somehow gets out of that round, comes back and wins the second round, overall loses the fight, but really absolutely no losers in a fight like that um, where those guys may be damaged for life. Who knows? But amazing fight. Please pay them all of your money, all of it quickly. No, and honestly... It was a frightening waste that it wasn't a five-round headlining fight where those guys got all the pay-per-view points. I don't care about belts. Those guys should be a title fight. Then you go, uh, you get a few more fights leading up to the three title fights, but then you get Cyborg versus Tanya Evinger. Tanya Evinger uh, was never supposed to beat Cyborg, but she lasted quite a long time, had a great fighting spirit. Nobody that likes MMA had any kind of level of dislike for that fight. Um, it wasn't like we really saw Cyborg tested, but at the same time, you saw the heart of someone like Tanya Evinger, who probably could beat up every woman at 135 if she comes in with that same kind of spirit. She's just never going to beat Cyborg because Cyborg is straight up beast. Great fight. Then you know that the DC Jones fight is coming at the end, but in between there, there's this little fight with Damian Maya and Tyron Woodley. Um, for the welterweight title in a battle of who could care less. This fight apparently had the lowest punch output of a title fight in UFC history. <laughs> Basically, Pat Militich was sitting at home bored. That's how boring this fight was. Oh, shots fired at Militich fighting systems. Oh, I, I don't get Pat. that. I don't get that. No, Pat just Pat was always a smart fighter and would only do what it took to win. He was not there to impress the crowds. And Tyron Woodley wasn't. Now, I will say this. I had a very positive tweet that I threw out that night, and I was very impressed with what Tyron did because I know what Damian Maya is capable of. Tyron Woodley's game plan was, all I have to do is get a few points and then never let this guy get any points. That's it. That was the game plan. Classic old school wrestling, ride him out kind of strategy. It wasn't even, but it wasn't even like the GSP lay and pray thing. It was... I'm not going to let you take me down at all, and I'm going to throw two jabs and win this fight. But that was the right strategy. And here's where we get into the problem. Everyone is dissing on Tyron Woodley for that. You can't. He came up with a game plan. His camp came up with a game plan. He executed it perfectly. He won the match and kept his title. Their goal was not necessarily to be exciting. He got put, he got a very dangerous tough fighter put in front of him that you can't play around with. If he had played around and tried to make that fight exciting, if he works too close to inside with Damian Maya, Damian Maya takes him down, wraps him up like a pretzel and submits him out of nowhere. If he plays around and tries to wrestle Damian Maya, Damian Maya gets on his back, throws up a triangle or throws him into some other kind of move, almost plot of whatever. And all of a sudden Damian Maya wins. So if you don't want this boring-ass fight, as Dana White calls it himself, don't book your champions against guys that they can't fight against. There was nothing that Tyron Woodley could do in that fight to make it exciting and still know that he was going to win. And it is his responsibility to himself, his family, and his fans 
to win the match first and foremost. You don't want to see a boring fight like that. Don't put him up against that guy. Period. You can't put him against Maya. Am I crazy, Casey? I think Not it makes sense. Crazy. I mean, you gotta you gotta consider shit like that when you're making matches. Uh, it was it was a Bellator style fight, so uh, there you go. Well, and that's why they put it second. And but then Dana White afterwards is all like, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But here's where Dana Dana White's getting it right. After that fight, he said, "You know what? F the world. We're doing Bisping GSP now." Because guess what, man? We don't pop pay per view numbers around here anymore. They've had trouble breaking 300 on a pay per view this year. Ooh. This this fight was one of the first ones that I think broke a million, um, and should have. And it didn't have anything to do with Tyron Woodley. In fact, if Tyron and Maya got pay-per-view points on this fight, they probably shouldn't have. Because I don't think anybody who paid for this card paid to see those two. Because if you're a real MMA fan, you knew that was the fight we were getting there. You <laughs> knew it was a cooler match. And then DC and Jones came out. God bless them. That was exactly the fight it was supposed to be. Exactly. Even if you wanted DC to win. DC had so much heart. He did everything he could in that fight. Um, John Jones is better. This is exactly what I said two months ago. Number one, two, three, four, and five at light heavyweight are always going to be number one, two, three, four, and five. Not one of those guys can beat the guy right above him at that weight class. And, and that being said, John Jones wins the fight over DC, who is absolutely for all time, probably the second best light heavyweight ever. John Jones is the first. That it's that simple. Gustafson is the third. <laughs> it's gonna stay that way. Rumble's the fourth. Gonna stay that way. It's never these things are not going to change. So um and that that leaves John Jones in this position of okay, I've proven it, I've gotten my belt back. Who's he gotta fight now? He's not gonna fight Manuel or Vulcan Ozdemir or whatever. He the, he already beat Glover. Rumble is gone selling weed somewhere. Like there's nothing, there's nothing else that he can do except call out someone at heavyweight. And everyone's like, why doesn't he call out Stipe? Because for him to fight Stipe, he wouldn't know what he was getting into. And there's too much risk. Fighting another champion and losing looks bad. Fighting Brock Lesnar and losing won't look bad. It'll be like, yeah, dude, that's 265-pound beast. You lost to Brock Lesnar. You just simply lost because that guy's bigger, stronger, and crazier. If you lose to Stipe Miocic, who's not an oversized heavyweight, people are going to say, oh, you lost to that guy because his technique is better. His skill is better. Because Stipe and John Jones walk around about the same size. So he can't fight Stipe yet. He's got to fight Brock first. It's a good call. And also, it means that if he calls out Brock, he can sit back and rest. A, Brock is still suspended right now, which will be up soon, but between the suspension and whatever Brock's going to have to do to prepare for a fight and get cleared, if Jones has called him out, Jones gets a nice long rest. He got a huge paycheck from this. He doesn't need another paycheck. That's the smart guy to call out. Yeah, also you can kind of see uh, Paul Heyman. Apparently there's some rumors that he's been trying to promote uh, the idea of Samoa Joe's champ. But it kind of it kind of looks like uh, that he and he and Brock have found this great business plan where they kind of do some stuff 
And then about when it's time for the contract to be up, they try and gear up for a UFC fight, which makes them more legit, makes them more desirable for WWE. And doesn't matter he could piss hot or not, but he does the fight. He becomes a much bigger box office draw. And then he gets that new next contract with WWE for a ton of money. Fake wrestles until, you know, suspension is up. And then comes back and makes, you know, a marquee showcase fight with UFC again. Like he's basically, they figured out how to, how to play the game of being the prize fighter. Every, they just figured out every contract is a big deal. It's coming off of like the biggest thing that he's done in a while. And that's what it needs to be. If you're looking at where the pay-per-view money is, freaking WME spent four point whatever billion dollars to buy UFC and now they're having to get cash infusions from their Canadian partners and these other people to buy out some other principal minority stakes in in UFC. They're they're not doing great yet and the pay-per-view numbers this year have sucked. Now, they'll get a little chunk of change out of the Connor fight for letting him go and do that. They got a nice payday here and they're going to hope to get Connor back later in the year, but who knows after he makes all this money. You know, like the biggest MMA fight this year is in a boxing ring. It's not an MMA fight. This was it. This Cormier DC or you know, DC Jones fight was the big fight that we know about for this year. That's it. Until Connor books something else, there's not going to be a bigger UFC fight at all. I mean, Ferguson versus Khabib maybe does 800. Maybe. I don't know what else does that's not. Connor related. Nothing else is going to be that high. Maybe Cody Garbrandt can do a 600, 500 if he's lucky. DJ maybe could get 42 people to watch on regular television. <laughs> I mean, you know, what what draws do they have? You know, this Holly Cyborg fight might do decent as a co-main on a on a like that would help a pay-per-view get over 3 or 400, I think. Anyway, but this is the way it's going and it, I think it's going this way in WWE as well. You've got to make these pay-per-view matches mean something. They've got to matter again. We have to start getting back to that. Go-home shows have to start mattering. Like UFC as well. On Fox, they they need to be propping up the, the pay-per-view buys with better go-home shows. The Fox shows the week before need to be promoting these fights better. All these lead-up shows need to stop making you know who, whatever new guy Snoop Dogg's talking about on Tuesday Night Fights the next big thing and make the guy who's already the big thing the big thing. Like Tyron Woodley's a goddamn champ, guys. Figure out how to make him the big thing. Figure out how to make DJ the big thing. Figure <laughs> out how to get some money out of these guys. Yeah, DJ can't pop a pay-per-view buy. He needs some help, man. I mean, do I have to beat him up in the street for people to care about him? I'll do it. Yes, yes. It wouldn't be hard. Oh. I mean, somebody's got to take the responsibility for the slumping pay-per-view market. It's not that people won't pay for this stuff. It's that they won't pay for it if you haven't made us care about it. You made us care about Cormier and Jones. So we watched it. But yes, if if Maya and Woodley had been the title fight there, the real fight, what if Jones had fallen off? If Jones had fallen off that card or something had happened again, what would 214 have been? And if it got more than a 400 buy, it would not have deserved it. It would not have deserved a 120 buy. Like, in fact, if that had happened, the only thing that could have saved it would have been to put Lawler versus Cerrone as the headlining match for the hardcore title. <laughs> like, just invent a belt for those guys. I don't know. 
that's all I got to say about it. Lucha Underground needs to come back. WWE needs to keep going with the clean finishes, and I will keep watching and enjoying. And they need to not screw up this Shinsuke push. I don't know where it's headed. I don't think that he necessarily has to get the belt for this to work right, but they can't mess this up. They cannot mess up Shinsuke. They need that guy. He is a pay-per-view draw if they do it right. The UFC is absolutely right. Bisbing versus GSP is the way of the future now. They have to pop pay-per-view numbers. They have to make their, their new owners happy. They haven't done it yet this year. So anybody who's saying that UFC needs to go back to you know, number one versus number two is wrong. There's no money in it. It's not what the casual fans want to see. The hardcore UFC marks can want to see it all day long, but you just saw it. Woodley Maya, and you didn't even enjoy it. The hardcores did not even enjoy it. So stop asking for it. You don't really want to see champion versus number one or number one versus number two. You want to see the most exciting fight with the two biggest names of the two guys that you like the most fighting every single time. That's what you want. That's what you're going to pay for. You're going to pay for Connor versus Mayweather, even though it's a complete joke. You're going to pay for Bisping versus GSP, even though it's a complete joke. You paid for DC versus Cormier, which was not a complete joke, but real heat there. And you paid for it because one of those fools threw a shoe at the other one at one point in time. <laughs> That's what people are paying for. They're Get paying for shoe. Conor McGregor's. They're paying for people fight. throwing <laughs> shoes. They're paying for stars like Shinsuke Nakamura to get elevated. That's what people are paying for. Get the formula right, guys. That's my rant. That's it. Follow the money. All right. You guys got cool. It's staying a mix. You can't do it this soon. I have to do like the throw. I'm going to say, hey, and if you're watching this, now's the time where a half an hour from now, Dante Oblivion, CJ, and Mil Machetes, and Rachel Lamoth, and Lord Bosworth are going to have thunder rosa aka cobra moon on their show tonight so go and check it out and if you got all the way to the end of this show and this is an archive go check out their archive now because you already listened to us and now we don't care what you do <laughs> and, and yeah you know what go go look at my fucking twitter profile and watch a man wrestle an actual gorilla how about i want to give a shout out to lucha blog yeah, i want to give sure. a shout out to everyone who thinks that casey nelson lucha gringo is stupid and his face sucks um, shout out to those people. Hey, uh, where's, uh, where's the what's the name of the team and and Helico guy? What's that? What's that guy's name? I can never uh, say his handle right. I promised uh, I would uh, this week. Yehakun's fandom. Thank you, Yehakun's fandom. Ooh. Wow, nice. Wow. So shout out to I team probably dude. If I fucked it up, tell me how to say it, please. I want to give a shout out to Andre because he's cool and he's always super cool about you know being yeah. nice to us. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Oi, oi, oi. I, I got to give a shout out to, to Alberto, who has been getting mad camera time in the second half of the yeah. season. I think Jimmy I, is getting mad. I saw Dude, Alberto. And he's in got, a, I want to say shout out to his He-Man collection that he should have given to me for my birthday. I want to uh, say that I saw Alberto in the chat room asking where the white women were at. And I just, I don't know what that means, guys. Can you explain that to me? He's a big fan of Tila from He-Man and she was white. <laughs> You're, you're nuts. Um, shout out to Zeus King, of course. Yeah. Um, who else? Oh, was oh, Paulie Cross was there. That's my man, Paulie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Paulie Cross out again, Paulie. and Paula as well. Was, was shout, shout out. Oh, you guys Paula, are fucking dicks. Shout yeah. out. Shout out to the legendary Mr. Krabs. Shout out to Mr. Krabs. <laughs> uh, and that's the only person I feel comfortable shouting out. I'm sorry. Um, 
Shout out to all all. Hey, who's P. Alexis P? Ooh, I don't know. That's a new person in our chat room. Alexis, right. what's up, Alexis P? Mm. I don't I don't see this person you're talking about. It's all I see the Jay. Jay's in there uh, talking about. And uh, I want to tell Jay that no, Lorenzo was not the doctor. The doctor works on the show, on the crew, and he's yeah. a completely different person. And definitely thanks to Dante uh, Oblivion for coming and checking us out before he's got to go and do his show. <laughs> Absolutely. So that was nice of him to pop by and, and throw some love in the chat room. And he's probably prepping right now for getting Thunder Rose on. So I'm going to go check that out and uh, have a couple beers with some buddies here in Chicago while I'm chilling in Chi-Town. And I'll probably be back in Cleveland next week or possibly LA. I don't even know. And maybe Kansas city after that. So just pray for me that we can keep doing the show. I was going to try to get some guests and stuff. I have a couple people that want to come on the show, but I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it this week or not. So I didn't want to, uh, could have some time and not be able to, I would like the audience to actively pray against us having, but your new microphone sounds so good. Look, Casey talks about never wanting to do the show. And yet here he is getting stuff just for the sake of doing, a better sounding podcast. We love yeah, it. Yeah, because I want I want to start the Casey and Kevin show featuring. We have Kevin. no one cares about you, and even less people care about Kevin. I we will have a, watch we have the Casey and Kevin show. We have a question for Justin in the chat room. What do you want to read it, Casey? Uh, shit. I do I, remember when when Bilicek was the coach, and then I remember something about my team wearing different jerseys and wearing winning the Super Bowl when they went to a little they were just visiting some other town like Baltimore. And I think that was when the Browns won their championship. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I remember Bernie Kosar. He was really, really good with that sidearm thing. Bernie Uh, Kosar. He came to my, he came to set when I was filming. He, he stopped by and talked to Rob for a while and he had his, he had like the charger or whatever from, um, from the bandit. He had the bandit car. Must I remember, I remember this guy, uh, and then he the Biner. and the helicopter took off and we put a whole bunch of grass inside of his car with the helicopter. You're terrible. I remember this guy, this guy, uh, Ernest. No, Biner, it's Flutie. Never and mind. he was really, uh, those are two really very good. different people. <laughs> Jesus so Christ. Awful. Did you eat any Flutie flakes, Byron? No, no, no. But Doug Flutie, Britain, Kozar are linked by history. Yes. That's why I got them confused. Yeah, so, well, well, so are Hitler and Winston Churchill, but I don't get them fucking confused. That's true. They weren't on the same football field. No. I remember Ernest Biner. He was this running back we had that was really, really good at getting all the way down the field um, to like the one-yard line. And then um, I remember Kevin Mack. Uh, he was really good. He liked crack cocaine. Um, I, remember, I remember John Elway. The You know... The best a quarterback's ever played in the Brown Stadium was you know, it was John Elway, um, but he was playing for the Broncos. <laughs> the yeah, we don't have to talk about that part though, do we? <laughs> it was it was just this little thing called the drive. It was fine, um, you know. Cleveland sports is a, it's a thing. It's a good thing, you know. Go Steamers! Yeah, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Um, for for at Lucha Gringo for at Byron Fever I'm at Justin Harvey seven five something like that you can find us on Twitter at MMM Show seven five and until next time stay calm and stay in the mix. Peace.